Food Heals Podcast, episode 259. Keep the faith that I'm going to do this. I'm committed. I'm doing whatever it takes, no matter what. There's no other option. And by the way, that is the miracle mantra that I teach in the book is I am committed to give it everything I have in order to blank and blank is whatever your outcome is. So for me, it's I'm going to give it everything I have to beat cancer and live to be a hundred plus years old with my wife and kids. No matter what, there is no other option. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. Today is the last episode in our five-part Healing Cancer series, and I'm so excited about today's guest, who experienced not just one, but two near-death experiences. And so now he is on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time as the author of one of my favorite books, The Miracle Morning. Plus, his brand new book, The Miracle Equation, just came out, so get ready to hear today's incredible interview with Hal Elrod. But first, Food Heals Nation, some reminders and announcements. While you are listening to this right now, I'm actually in France at the Cannes Film Festival, where I will be speaking on the Global Film Showcase panel, and my short film, Powered by Plants, is at the French Riviera Festival. So email me at info at foodhealsnation.com to get on the list. And at the end of May, I'll be speaking at the Growth Now Movement Live. That's May 30th to June 1st in Reading, Pennsylvania. I'll be there along with some of your favorite podcast guests like Adam Shively, Danielle Mercurio, and Rob Dion. It's hosted by a friend of the show, Justin Shank, and he is host of the Growth Now Movement Podcast. This event is dedicated to leveling up in all areas of your life with some of the world's top performers in business, health, and relationships. So get your tickets at gnmlive.com. And Food Heals Nation, you know we're going to Italy. We had someone drop out. I'm very, very sad because I love this woman so much. She had a family emergency, but we have one spot open. It's less than three weeks away. So if you're listening, now is your chance to join us. Come with us. We're going to swim. We're going to hike. We're going to shop. We're going to relax. We're going to drink wine. We're going to lay out at the infinity pool, which overlooks the Amalfi Coast, and just take the best Instagram pictures you've ever seen. Um, I'm co-hosting it with Leslie Durso, the plant-based vegan chef you all know. She's a regular around here at Food Heals, and she's going to teach us how to cook some of the most divine Italian vegan fare you've ever had. Plus, we've got lots of five-star dinners at beautiful restaurants with just picturesque, unforgettable views. And we've got boat rides and hiking and lots of wine. That's all I'm going to say about that. So if you're interested, just email me right away, info at foodhealsnation.com to claim that last spot. If you want the brochure, go to foodhealsnation.com and click on Italy. Last but not least, meet me at Podcast Movement, August 13th to 16th in sunny Orlando, Florida. It is the largest gathering of podcasters, a great place to meet your favorite podcasters, great place for networking and learning how to be a voice for the voiceless. Speak up, 
stand up for what you believe in, create, market, and monetize your brand through the power of podcasting. If you use the coupon code FOODHEALS, you'll get $50 off your ticket price. That's at podcastmovement.com. So let me know. Email me, Facebook me, Instagram me. Let me know what events I'm going to see you at in 2019. Next up, my interview with author and cancer survivor, Hal Elrod. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. He's the author of The Miracle Morning and The Miracle Equation. He healed himself from cancer by combining holistic and traditional methods. Please welcome my extraordinary guest, Hal Elrod. Allie, what's going on? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I've been a fan of your book, The Miracle Morning, for such a long time. So when my friend Alyssa was at your conference and I ran into her and she said, Hal has a new book, I was so excited. And I said, girl, get me an interview because I knew (laughs) that you had a cancer story and she did it. So I'm just so glad that we connected this way. Me too. And this is a topic that I, you know, it's a different kind of angle. And I, I love being able to talk about fresh ideas and different perspectives. So this is great. I'm excited. Me too. So let Food Heals Nation know a little bit about who you are and what you do. I would say I'm an author, professionally an author and a keynote speaker. That's the main things that I do. But what, what's really emerged over the last five, six, seven years since The Miracle Morning came out is this community called The Miracle Morning Community. And it is one of the fastest growing, but more importantly, the most engaged, loving, supportive, non-judgmental online communities that I've ever seen. And uh, it's currently made up of, gosh, it's a Facebook group, by the way. And we have over 208,000 members from over 70 countries and, uh, you know, that wake up every day and just support each other. And it really is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so while I started by writing a book, this Miracle Morning thing kind of became a movement. And now this community is really the most beautiful thing that's emerged. And the mission of the Miracle Morning and really all of my work now is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning, one miracle, you know, one person at a time. The beauty of it is it's taken on a life of its own where whether or not I do anything, there are hundreds of thousands of people. And now there's really, it's really over a million people, hundreds of thousands of Facebook group, but over a million that practice the miracle morning every day and elevate their own consciousness. And in doing so, they can't help but impact every person in their life that they touch. Because as we evolve and we elevate ourselves, then by default, there's a ripple effect that affects everybody whose lives that we touch. So uh, yeah, so that's really, I'm just a part of this whole movement that uh, I might have started it, but now I feel like I'm just along for the ride. Oh, it's so amazing. And I believe the same thing. Like as we shine, we give others permission to shine their lights as well. And so it's like, be the change you want to see. And that's what you've inspired in so many people by just experimenting on yourself and sharing. Sure, sure. And I think that's, I think that's how most, you know, that right, the hero's journey. I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, which is the, you know, it's a big part of film. And just in general, it's like, we start out as, or, you know, an ordinary human being, and then we face trials and tribulations. And then we usually have to seek out a mentor or someone that we learn from. And then we go through this path of slaying the dragons, if you will, and whether those are our own, our own demons or external challenges. And then we learn wisdom through our experience. And then hopefully, you know, we have the choice that we can bring that back to everyone else and share it with them. And I've been really fortunate to go through some pretty extreme uh, adversities, which have given me a chance to, uh, to really share with other people. So you had two near-death experiences and you <laughs> overcame cancer. So you're my hero, <laughs> the hero's journey, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Take us back because... 
I want to make sure that we give Food Heals Nation a full picture of who you are so they truly understand this journey that you've been on through overcoming cancer as well as the Miracle Morning was born out of the first near-death experience, right? Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) you'd think one near-death experience is enough for a lifetime. But so when I was 20, I actually had a death experience, meaning I actually died. I was clinically dead for six minutes. It happened after a, uh, I gave a speech at a conference. So at, at age 19, I started in sales. I, I got hired to sell Cutco kitchen cutlery. Never in a million years did I have any interest in being in sales, but a friend of mine was doing it and putting himself through college. And I saw a great opportunity and gave it a shot. And um, I broke <laughs> a lot of the company records. And so yeah. because I was breaking records, they were asking me to speak at all the events. I spoke at a conference and driving home that night, I was, again, I was 20 years old at this time and driving home in a brand new Ford Mustang. It's bought my first new car. I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles per hour. And I spun off the drunk driver, my car, meaning we hit head on kind of off center and my car spun around and the car behind me, my car just swung in like my driver's side door spun in front of them. And they didn't have time to even break. They just ran into my door at 70, 80 miles an hour. I was uh, immediately broke. The entire left side of my car smashed the left side of my body. And I broke 11 bones. I punctured my lung. I ruptured my spleen. I mean, I broke my femur in half, broke my humerus behind my bicep in half, shattered my elbow, severed the nerve in my forearm, shattered my eye socket. My ear was almost completely severed. It was pretty brutal. And um, I began bleeding to death. And it took the rescue crew an hour to get me out of the car, cut me out with the jaws of life. And when they did, I had lost so much blood that I actually, I bled to death. And I was clinically dead for six minutes. Uh, They medevac, took me on a helicopter to the hospital. They performed CPR, revived me. I spent six days in a coma at the hospital. I flatlined twice more. And uh, when I came out of the coma, it was to face this unimaginable reality that I'm waking up going, why am I in pain? And where am I? And I'm finding out that I have 11 broken bones and was in this horrific head-on collision and, and that I'm never going to walk again, according to doctors. And uh, also that uh, I have permanent brain damage, which in the hospital, you know, we could be lifelong friends. And this is how bad it was where you could come visit me for hours, you know, head to cafeteria in the hospital to go get lunch and come back. And I would have no recollection of the hours that we had just spent together that morning. I would have said, oh, Allie, did you hear I was in a car accident? And, you, know, <laughs> you go, yeah, Hal, we just talked about it for like three hours. I'm like, we did? So it was really, really bad, you know, really tough. And um, the one thing is uh, I decided to maintain these two decisions. And we're going to talk a lot about this, I'm sure, later or throughout the next, uh, you know, 30 minutes or so. These two decisions make up this thing called the miracle equation that I came up with when I was 20 and um, basically maintained unwavering faith that I would walk again. And I put forth extraordinary effort to walk again. I, I stayed long in therapy. I did over and above what was expected of me. A week after coming out of the coma, three weeks after I was found dead, the doctors came in with routine x-rays and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly that we're going to let you take your first step today in therapy. I went from never walking again to that day. I took my first step and you know, the, the rest is kind of history, as they say. And I went on to run a 52-mile ultra marathon just to kind of prove what was possible. And so, yeah, and that's where that gave birth to my life's work because in the hospital, I went, man, you know, that old saying everything. And if you're listening to this, right, consider this. Everything happens for a reason. We've all heard that before. I think it often goes in one ear and out the other. But here's the distinction I think really makes it meaningful is that everything happens for a reason, but it is 100% your responsibility to choose the most empowering reasons for the biggest challenges in your life. The greatest adversity, the greatest tragedies, it's your responsibility to choose the reason. What's the purpose? What's the benefit? 
And for me, I, you know, I decided I'm going to overcome this and in overcoming it, I'm going to learn lessons that I can teach to other people and teach them to overcome their adversity, whatever that may be. And that's what led to my life's work, if you will. And then kind of fast forward, the miracle morning was 2007 when the US economy began to crash. I kind of crashed with it and I lost over half my clients. I was a coach at that time. I was a speaker. I was a new author. Book wasn't selling very good. I'd only gotten my first paid speaking engagement. So my only money was from coaching and I lost over half my clients in a matter of months and couldn't pay my mortgage. I mean, literally stopped paying the mortgage, lost the, my house to the bank. Um, and I got deeply depressed and I was just kind of just really at a downward spiral. And yeah. I just started Googling what are the world's most successful people do every day that I don't do? Like what are their daily habits and rituals and routines? And that led me to morning rituals. And I went, like many people listening might think, yeah, I'm not a morning person. At least that was me. I'm like, I'm not a morning right. person. Where's like the success plan for people that sleep till like, you know, seven, eight, nine, like, you know, they're not trying to impress anybody with their early rising, you know, that's me. <laughs> and finally, I forgot what it was. One of the articles, the headlines caught my attention and it opened my eyes to the idea that like, it was a paradigm of, oh, how you start your day isn't just something that you might consider. It's arguably the single most important upgrade you can make in how you live your life because how you start your day sets the tone, the direction, the context. It basically puts you in either a suboptimal physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state, or you put yourself in a optimal physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. And therefore, how you start your day determines who you are when you, as you live your day. And if you win the morning and you improve yourself in the first thing in the morning, then you show up throughout your day, you're a better leader, you're a better friend, you're a better parent, you're a better entrepreneur, right? When you start your day at your best, then you are in a position to give your best in everything you do. And that's reflected in your results. It's reflected in your relationships. And again, that morning ritual is the single most important thing. And so for me, I decided I was going to create the ultimate morning ritual because I was in a crappy place in my life and I wanted to change it fast. And so I tried to create the ultimate morning ritual. And within two months of doing it, even though I wasn't a morning person, I doubled my income. Amazing. I went from being in the worst shape of my life to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon. Oh and I went God. from being like depressed and scared because I was losing so much money to getting back on track. And it, I told my wife, and this is kind of eloquent how it all played out, but this wasn't a book, you know, I didn't, I wasn't planning on writing a book about the miracle morning, but I went to my wife and I go, sweetie, I said, this morning ritual has changed my life, our lives so quickly. It feels like a freaking miracle. Yeah. And she goes, this is your miracle morning. And I go, yes. I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, miracle, my miracle. <laughs> and I went and I like literally ran to my schedule. That was before I had a digital calendar, ran to my schedule, like a day minder, opened it up and wrote in for the next day, 5 a.m. miracle morning. And then I started teaching in my coaching clients and almost every single one of them said, I'm not a morning person. And a week yep. later, almost every single one of them implemented what I taught them and they were off to the races. So. Oh my God. I love this story so much. And you tell it so well in your book. And I love how your wife just came up with this concept. Like it's your miracle morning. And you're like, oh, it's like a light bulb Jeez. moment. <laughs> Dude, she's, she has all the light bulb moments. This, the, the miracle morning is made up of six practices that are an acronym savers. That was her idea. Like she's the genius. She's the wind beneath my wings. hundred percent. Oh my God. I love it. And I know that, you know, I say it too, but like everything is meant to be and it can come across as like so cheesy and overused, but it's absolutely true. And I believe that our stories and the traumas that we have gone through can often be the key to unlocking someone else's prison. And that's not an alley original. I've heard someone else say that and I'm obsessed with the concept because now all the people that you have 
awakened, no pun intended, maybe pun intended, <laughs> to the magic of the morning and starting your day. And I liked in the book because you got right to the point because you were like, here's what happened to me. And then I changed. And then you were like, but how? I'm not a morning person. And that's exactly where I was. I, I listened to your book on audiobook. I'm watching dishes and I'm hearing the tragedy that happened to you. And I'm like, this is the most unimaginable circumstances I can imagine. And you got to that point and I was like, but I'm still not a morning person. And then you're like, but here's how you're going to do it. And I was like, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that, you know, it's funny. That is probably that when I was writing the miracle morning, you know, the, the miracle morning is practiced every day by over a million people. The book's been read by or purchased and mostly read by 1.7 million people now around the world. And it just, it just keeps growing every day. And, um, I've been asked, Hal, was your vision, was this your vision? Like that you'd have this worldwide movement and yada, yada, yada. And absolutely not. It was, you know, I'm a human being. And like most human beings, we are often ruled by fear, you know, or at least at some, maybe not even ruled by fear. I don't know that I was ruled by fear because I, I actually, I wasn't ruled by fear because I, but I experienced fear. I experienced self-doubt and I just didn't let those have the final say in what I did. Like I kept writing the book, even though my internal dialogue was, how am I going to convince people that have had a lifelong limiting belief that says, I'm not a morning person, never been a morning person, tried it, not for me. I'm a night owl, blah, blah, blah. I go, how in the hell am I going to convince people just otherwise? Like, I'm not that good of a writer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> how am I going to convince them? And that's been the biggest blessing is that if there's anything I'm good at, it's dumbing things down, making it so simple that like I always say with the miracle morning, and I, I feel like I've done the same thing with the miracle equation with the new book, but with the miracle morning, I made it so simple that if you are a parent of like a third grader, right? You could give your third grader a copy of the Miracle Morning and go, hey, if you read this book and you do the Miracle Morning for the next you know, month or whatever, I'll give you 20 bucks or 100 bucks or you know, yeah, yeah. how much money your kid needs to get motivated, right? Incentivize um, it. it. Yeah, it's so simple that they, you, they'd earn the money. They'd be like, yeah, I read it. It's really easy. He told us exactly what to do. I'm going to move the alarm clock across. The I'm going to do all these little steps. And that's the thing is I made it so easy, like baby step by baby step. And I feel like that's what we need. You know, most books give us a lot of really brilliant information, but I feel like what they lack is methods for implementation. Mm. And we don't need more information. We need methods for implementation, right? Like, so for example, somebody's goal is I want to lose weight, right? Well, you don't need info on that. <laughs> you, you know how to lose weight. You, you exercise and you cut down your calories, right? So you burn yeah. more calories than you consume. It's not rocket science, right? But if somebody gave you like, hey, I'm going to make this the easiest diet or the easiest workout routine or the easiest upgrade to your daily diet and exercise habits that like it's so it'll be the easier than ever. I'm going to give you these methods for implementation where you, you almost can't fail unless you literally don't try at all. Like that's yeah. what we need. And so I think that's where I cracked the code with the Miracle Morning and with the new book, The Miracle Equation is like, all right, let's break it down to exactly what you need step-by-step, -step, super simple. Let's not make it high level. Let's not make it complicated. You know, because I think most people, we read a book and then we don't do anything with it. We just start reading a new book, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, like, oh, that, that was inspiring. Amazing. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, that would change my life if I actually did it, but I, I don't have time to do it because I got these other three books that I really want to read. So I'm going right. to get to those, right? 
And I think if you're listening right now, Food Heal Station, you're like, well, what do I do in the morning? Go get the book, whether it's on audiobook or a physical book from Amazon, however you like to consume your content. And how will take you through the steps to create your own miracle morning, whether it's incorporating more exercise, more gratitude, meditation, alarm clock hacks, <laughs> I would say, things yeah. like that, so that you can really create this perfect morning for you. All right, Food Heals Nation, I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Hal and our entire series on people who have healed themselves of cancer with traditional and holistic methods. One of the things that we all need for cancer prevention is tools in our toolbox, specifically geared towards giving the body the tools it needs to heal itself. The body will heal itself, right? If we allow it, if we give it the tools it needs to do so. So that's why I love Organifi. They have an all day perfect system to keep disease at bay, keep you feeling good, keep you looking good. The morning starts with the green juice. This will detoxify your body. Then you can spend the afternoon drinking the red juice, which is great for energizing you and getting you through that dreaded mid-afternoon slump. And then in the evening, they have their Organifi Gold. This is my personal favorite. It's loaded with turmeric, ginger, reishi, and turkey tail mushrooms, lemon balm, and more. Yes, turkey tail mushrooms are vegan and they contain no animal products. None of Organifi's stuff contains any animal products, another reason why we love them. But turkey tail is an anti-cancer mushroom. So the way it works is that it actually feeds on sugar or anything you're putting into the body that feeds a tumor, the turkey tail kind of eats first. And so the theory is, is that it starves tumors. So do your own research, but I'm a big fan of turkey tail. And the gold is also gluten-free, soy-free, and keto-friendly. It contains so many powerful ingredients to help calm you, to have a restful sleep. Even when Drew was on the podcast, he was talking about deep dreams, lucid dreams that you can have when taking this stuff. Organifi Gold helps you have a more restful sleep, helps you wake up refreshed, and it helps soothe your muscles and support your joints. It's easy to use. I just take a scoop. I put it in hot water. Sometimes if I want a little bit creamier, I'll use some oat milk. Any type of non-dairy milk that you want to use will work, or you can just use water. It helps me relax for the night, and it just tastes delicious. And Food Heals Nation, you know, we got a special discount code for you. Go to Organifi.com, use the coupon code FOODHEALS to get 20% off your first order. Try it. Let me know how you like it. Now back to my interview with Hal. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. What I want to do, Hal, is switch gears a little bit because this is the final episode in our Healing Cancer series. Yes. And this is a big part of your story as well. I love how you actually combine traditional and holistic, or you could call it Eastern Western protocols to yeah. do that. I've always been in the holistic camp ever since, you know, I told you earlier, I was 25 years old, lost both my parents to cancer, have now seen cancer, uh, whether it's from the treatments or from the cancer itself, um, ravaged people that I love out here in LA. I'm one of my producers passing away last year um, and, you know, all of them taking this traditional route. And the thing with them and with my parents is that the cure killed them before it could cure them. So it's like the Mm -hmm. treatments killed them. And I know that your story is so you had to act 
fast. So I would love for you to take us through that. And, you know, we know cancer is multifactorial and there is no perfect answer for everyone, but the more information that you have at your fingertips, the better decisions that you can make. And sometimes the answer lies somewhere in between the Eastern and Western. And I know that, you know, also that you use your own book that we're going to talk about your new book Uh, through this. So take us back through that journey. Yeah. So when my car accident happened, I was 20 years old. I was single. Actually, I had a girlfriend, but, um, but I had no kids, right? I had no children. And, uh, and now when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was a little over two years ago. And I have two kids at the time. They were my daughter, Sophie is seven or she was seven. She's nine. Now my son, Halston was four and now he's six and I'm married to the woman of my dreams. And so I had more than ever to lose. There is a very different thing to deal with versus, you know, my own life. And, when I was 20 versus having a family, I woke up in the middle of the night one night uh, at home and I woke up <sighs> gasping for air. And I, uh, my wife, my wheezing was audible. So she woke up with me. The next day I went to urgent care and they misdiagnosed me with pneumonia, gave me a Z pack of antibiotics. Mm. And uh, they said, if it doesn't get better in a few days, go get a second opinion. And so it kept getting worse, couldn't breathe went into the doctor. Uh, one of my lungs was collapsed. They sent me for testing and the next day called me back in and, and over the phone, the nurse wouldn't tell me anything. She said, the doctor wants to see you in person. I thought, well, that's usually not good. Yeah, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know, but I'm, but I'm going, what, like, what could it be? And to your point, I, I'm, I'm very holistic. Like my wife and I are modern day hippies. So I had a really clean diet, low sugar, and even like, I mean, to the point when I say we're hippies, like the products that we clean our kitchen counters with, you can spray in your mouth and eat, right? Right, right. You wouldn't want to, so, but you could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I went in for the my doctor to sit down with me and give me some big news. And he says, how something's going on. And this is a new doctor. I just moved to Texas, to Austin. And he mm-hmm. said, um, you either have some sort of virus, mysterious virus uh, or infection or you're showing signs of cancer, like a lymphoma. Mm. And my first thought was like, definitely can't be cancer. Like I live an anti-cancer lifestyle already. Like there's no way. And in fact, I watched a documentary called Healing Cancer from the Inside Out like 10 years ago that, you know, talked about how to cure cancer naturally, right? So I started living that way. And so I went in for more testing, went and got a third opinion. And the third opinion said, you have cancer. It's called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. It's a very rare cancer. It has, you have a 30% chance of surviving this. That's statistically, you have a 30% survival rate. Oh. And I always say, yeah, if you're a glasses half empty person, that's a 70%. You know, you're the doctor saying you have a 70% chance that you are going to die in the next few weeks or months and leave your children without a dad and your wife without a husband, right? Like that's, you know, you can't help but hear that. Horrifying. And, horrifying. And so the hardest part was my wife was out of town when I first received this diagnosis. She heard my kids. Uh, we had a trip to my visit my grandmother and I didn't want to cancel the trip because I was too sick. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't go, but my grandma was looking forward to seeing the grandkids. And, you know, so I sent them without me. And so I had to call my wife and say, Hey, sweetheart, I, uh, the doctor said I might have cancer, you know, and it's a really bad one if I have it. And uh, I'm going to go get my, so this was before I had the third opinion. This is after my second opinion where the doctor's telling me and, and she's right. just breaks down bowling and um, keep a long, you know, it's a very long story, uh, but to keep it relatively concise. My wife flew back. We went to a third opinion, which was MD Anderson, one of the top cancer hospitals in the world. And they confirmed that not only did I have acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which had a 30% survival rate, they also discovered through some advanced testing that I had a cellular mutation that caused my cells to divide and replicate rapidly 
which is why this cancer was spreading so fast. And it also made the survival rate not even measurable to where it was anywhere from kind of estimated 10 to 30%. So now it's a 70 to 90% chance that I'm going to die. And I'm sitting down with my oncologist. And also they discovered that uh, not only was my lung collapsed, and it, by the way, over the last two weeks, I had had 16 pounds of fluid drained from my lung, where every time I would drain it a day and a half later, it'd be completely full again, and I'd have to go get it drained again. And I kept doing that every other day in the ER. It was, it was horrible. And it was this thick needle. They had to stick through my, my back. And, and then they discovered when I went for this third opinion that, oh, your kidneys are also on the verge of failing. We've got to take some immediate precautions. And your heart is surrounded by a sack of fluid. And if the fluid increases by even an eighth of an inch thick more, your heart will not be able to beat and you'll go into cardiac arrest and we'll have to perform open heart surgery. So we need to go in immediately, like in the next few hours and stick a needle through your rib, the front of your rib cage and puncture your, the outside layer of your heart, this fluid and suck it out. And you have to sign a waiver that says there's a chance that your heart could beat into the needle. It would puncture your heart it would rupture your heart and we have to perform open heart surgery. Oh my and God. So, yeah. So it's like, it just keeps getting, we're, we're like, what is going on? You know? And I had already had a near death experience. So yeah, I'm like kind of looking up to God going, Hey, what, what, what else am I supposed to learn here? Like I already yeah. have. <laughs> I'm and with so, you. You're like, we've been there, done that. I learned, I moved on. I'm helping people. Yeah, what else do you want from me? And so we sit down with my oncologist and, um, and it, I mean, he, so one of the best oncologists in the world for leukemia, right? Like he's the top of the line at the top hospital in the world. And I said, Hey doc, no offense, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of chemotherapy. It's, you know, it's poison essentially. And I'd rather cure this holistically in any way that I can. And so I'd love if you could support me in that and you know, what are your thoughts? And, and I didn't know the guy's heart. I just met him literally we're meeting him for the first time and I'm telling him, right. and he says, Hal, he goes, look, I appreciate that you want to cure this holistically, but you don't have a cancer that affords you that luxury. He said, you were healthy a week ago and now you're on your, you're dying. And he right. said, if we don't start chemotherapy in the next 24 hours, you know, I would say you've got maybe a few days uh, to live, maybe a week at the most. You don't have a slow growing tumor. There's no diet. And he goes, he goes, plus from what you told me, you already pretty much living the way you'd live, you know, if you were to switch your right. diet. You're already doing like, the greens and the yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I, you know, I thought it was kind of a scare tactic to sell me on chemo. So yeah. I, I just had a feeling, I don't know. I just didn't, I was like, can I have 24 hours or 12 hours or, you know, can we go sleep on it or whatever? And he said, yes, but you don't have much time. Wow. And we really thought it was, I thought it was a scare tactic. And I went home and I Googled the, the cancer I had. I Googled the cellular mutation I had, which by the way, this is how rare it is. Page four of Google was the first mention of what I had. Wow. Like, yeah. Page it's four. Not page one. Usually like if you Google Miracle Morning, you'll see like thousands of pages about it, right? Like, no, page four was the first thing you mentioned. And so <laughs> we go like after hours of looking and, and having friends look, my wife and I realized that if I don't start chemo, like he's not exaggerating, I'm going to die. Like there's no, you know, to kind of bring this to a head, I started chemo the next day. Uh, and the chemo, by the way, is one of the most intense chemotherapy regimens in existence. You know, uh, cancer patients, sometimes everybody's different, but you know, you'll go in for like, I have an aunt who has breast cancer and she goes in for an hour or two of chemo a month, right? Or every few weeks. Um, mm -hmm. I would get a hundred, over a hundred consecutive hours of chemotherapy of five of the strongest drugs in existence, nonstop around the clock. And the drugs are so strong 
they couldn't use a normal IV because it would melt through my veins. It would burn through my veins. They had to install a thick plastic tube that went through my vein into the artery in my chest because it's much thicker and stronger and it can handle the chemo. <laughs> so I have never heard of this, this until now. Yes, all of this is just defying every, like every fiber of my being is like, I don't feel good about putting something in my body that's so poisonous that it will right. melt through my vein. Uh-huh. You have to go into my artery. Like that's a red flag. <laughs> right. You're like, you are going to kill me. Yes. And that's the deal is, you know, you kind of said it is the goal is to kill the cancer before you kill the person. That's what chemo is. Yep. It is. And so within three weeks, I lost 25% of my body weight. I'm six feet tall, 165 pounds. Normally I went down to 127 in three weeks. I lost 40 pounds. I lost every hair on my body and, uh, you know, I was sick and going through a lot of stuff. And, and, but here's the important part. This is the important part of the message for everybody listening. Now, my initial plan before I even met with my oncologist and I told my wife, I go, sweetie, I'm going to heal this naturally and I'm going to liberate our society from thinking that they have to follow these archaic poisonous chemotherapy protocols. I'm going to show them that you can heal this naturally and I'm going to empower these you know, people to do it, right? When I was then told, and then I met with the oncologist and he said, yeah, buddy, that's not going to happen. Right. And (laughs) and so I was like, no, 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 this is defying my belief system. This, I can't. Right. And I I want to help empower people to see there's a better way. Mm -hmm. And so after the chemo, the first one took really well. And they said, Hey, look, you're, it's working. Like the cancer's in remission. It's moving into remission. It's, you know, and I go, okay, so can I stop the chemo? And they said, no, 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 our instruments detect, you know, what they detect, but there's cancer cells can hide in your cancer and that cellular mutation. You know, if there's even a, inkling that we're not measuring, if we don't kill it, it within a week, it can multiply and replicate, you know, mm. thousands of times over, right? Millions of times over. So I'm like, ah, okay. So I had to do, they prescribed eight sessions every three weeks, one of these five day sessions where I was getting hundred hours of chemo and uh, they wanted eight times. And every time I did it, they would test me for how the, chemo, the cancer looked and it kept getting better and better and better. And I kept saying, can I quit? Can I quit? Can I quit? And yeah, I would too. I just, yeah. And so what I decided um, after my first chemo is you know what, I'm going to research and implement every holistic practice that is available to me that's possible in combination with the chemo. So I'm going to, you know, I asked my doctor like, hey, well, I, I did research, like how does chemo kill you? And it's like, well, it, you know, it can build up in your liver and cause liver damage. And so I'd say, hey, doc, how am I going to detox my liver? And I would Google natural ways to do that and, you know, learn about milk thistle and coffee enemas and all of these things. And Uh, the doctor would just say, you know, and it's not their fault. I mean, they, you know, they just went through medical school and they, that's what they know, you know, and it's, they're not, they're not trained in nutrition. Exactly. I mean, they they literally told me like, I think they spent like one day or half day in nutrition, right? The doctor would say, Oh, we give you a saline flush after like the chemo. So that that's what we do to detox your liver. And I'm like, well, but there's all these natural things about that. And they're like, I don't, he goes, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So like do chemo, do whatever you want. So, I mean, I can just run through real quick what, my, and by the way, The Miracle Equation, which is it's my new book, right? And the subtitle, it, and I'm not, I'm not just promoting the book here. This is literally how I beat cancer. Um, no, please promote. We are yes. all about it. <laughs> the subtitle is The Two Decisions That Move Your Biggest Goals from Possible to Probable to Inevitable. Wow. And the way that I define a miracle is not in a manifesting sort of way. It's not a woo-woo sort of way. It's not 
I believe miracle, the word miracle has a bad rap. It's a very loaded word because most of us think of it as a random passive act that we have little to no control over. Most of people's strategy for miracles is I'm going to pray. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hope. I'm going, right. I'm going that a miracle happens. And right. for me, here, here's the way I define a miracle for me, every just kind of life in general, like same with miracle morning, like miracle morning was taking a bunch of often woo woo goofy practices and mm-hmm. making them tangible, practical and results oriented. So yeah. here's how I define a miracle. A miracle is any meaningful outcome beyond what you currently believe is probable for you. Mm-hmm. I'll say that again. Any okay. meaningful outcome beyond the realm of what is you believe is currently probable for you. Thus, when you achieve said outcome, it feels like a miracle. When, when I started doing the Miracle Morning and in two months, I doubled my income from six or 5,000, more than doubled from 5,000 a month to 12,000 a month. When I went from having never run more than a mile, which was only to pass PE class in high school, to committing to run 52 miles in one day and training for that ultra marathon and my right. depression went away, it felt like a miracle. It was tangible, measurable results that astounded that were beyond what I thought I could do. Sure. And, yeah. um, and so that's how I define a miracle. That's what this mirror and beating cancer when you're given a 70 to 90% chance that you're going to die is a tangible, measurable miracle. It's one that there's no certainty, right? right. And that's yeah. why the two decisions that make up the miracle equation are unwavering faith. And again, faith is another loaded word. And the, the second one is extraordinary effort. But let me, let me handle faith. Faith is a loaded word because most of us, faith is, again, it's kind of elusive. It's kind of not reliable. It's like, well, okay, yeah, I have faith, but that's just kind of hope. And hope's often rooted in fear. You know, hope is like, well, I hope this bad thing doesn't come to pass, right? Which really Well, saying, it's usually, I, I hope, but. I hope, but. And then yeah, you have an excuse. I hope I don't mind. die. I hope I don't leave my kids without a father, right? It's just, you're literally, it's like the, it's the other side of the coin of fear. You're just right. framing your fear in a kind of what you want to not happen. And so faith, I don't mean faith in something outside of yourself, not to take anything away from the value of faith in God or infinite intelligence or whatever you'd call a higher power that you believe in. And I tap into that all the time, but I'm talking about a very tangible, practical faith. And that is faith in yourself. Faith yes. your limitless potential and your unlimited ability to commit to do anything and everything to make anything you want happen. That's the faith I'm talking about. And so, and if you think about anyone that's achieved anything extraordinary, they had to step out on faith that they could do something they'd never done before. If you interview a millionaire, they weren't born a millionaire unless they inherited it or whatever, right? But right. if you're a self-made a, millionaire. Yeah, exactly. Somebody that beat cancer, like I didn't have evidence that I could do that. I had to step out on faith. By definition. So I established unwavering faith that I would beat cancer, just like I had unwavering faith that I would walk again when I had my car accident. But unwavering faith isn't a guarantee of anything, but it does move your biggest goals from possible, which is really void of anything, any certainty, to probable. When you maintain unwavering faith and you keep the faith that I'm going to do this, I'm committed, I'm doing whatever it takes, no matter what, there's no other option. And by the way, that is the miracle mantra that I teach in the book is I am committed to give it everything I have in order to blank and blank is whatever your outcome is. So for me, it's I'm committed to give it everything I have to beat cancer and live to be a hundred plus years old with my wife and kids, no matter what, there is no other option. That's a practical sense, right? 
It's, and, and that's the thing is either we're consumed by fear and self-doubt when we encounter a failure or a setback or a, an expectation that doesn't meet what we were hoping or expecting, then a seed of self-doubt is planted. And as we focus on that seed and we think, well, what if, what if it doesn't work out? What if it gets worse? What if things don't turn around for me? Every what if all of our attention on that seed of self-doubt is water. It waters the self-doubt and the self-doubt grows, consumes us. And then it stops us from believing that we can do the thing that we set out to do. And the second decision that makes miracles possible, extraordinary effort. Once the faith goes out the window, the effort flies out right behind it. So the miracle equation is making an unwavering decision that you will maintain unwavering faith that you can write your book, beat your cancer, create an amazing marriage, lose 30 pounds, become a millionaire, whatever it is for you. Unwavering faith that you can do it and you're committed to giving it everything you have. And then you actually live in alignment with that faith by putting forth the extraordinary effort for as long as it takes. And when you do that, you can't fail. The only variable is time. You might want to do it in a year and it might take you three or four or five. And let me just wrap this up and we can go into the cancer story real quick, but really important lesson. When I wrote the miracle morning, and I got, finally like started to get emails from people saying, this is changing my life. And then I went, wait a minute. I moved past my fear of like, who's going to read this? And how am I going yeah. to wake up early to wait a minute? If this changed these 17 people's lives dramatically, then this could change the world if I get it into the hands of the world, right? 100%. Yeah. So my goal was change 1 million lives one morning at a time and measurably to do that. It was, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to sell a million copies of The Miracle Morning in one year. And I gave it everything I had. In that year, my extraordinary effort looked like this. Ali, I did over 150 interviews on other people's podcasts. I flew Amazing. across the country and I gave over, I gave 36 speaking engagements. I flew across the country and I was on over a dozen TV shows, both local morning shows and national NBC morning shows. I did over 52 of my own podcast interviews. So my effort was beyond extraordinary. In order to sell a million copies, guess how many copies I sold that year? I bet just under a million. I was short by 990,000 copies. I sold (laughs) 10,000 copies that year. Uh Now, think about this. Human nature and the miracle equation, what makes it powerful is it defies our human nature. It's a strategy to defy the human nature that holds us back from living to our full potential. Human nature would have been, Hal, hey, good try, buddy. You're not even freaking close. You were kidding yourself. This is obviously not a realistic goal. Why don't you go work on the next book, right? <laughs> right, but right. I've lived by the miracle equation for, and I don't think I mentioned this part, but I invented it when I was 20. I, I used it to break company sales records. And mm-hmm. so I have the advantage of, at that point, you know, Miracle Morning came out seven years after the miracle equation was an idea. And I, so I'd been using it for eight years and I knew that the only variable is time. And that sometimes you think a goal will take you a month and it takes you a year. You think it'll take you a year and it takes you four, right? So I was committed for as long as it took to applying the miracle equation. You know, now granted, I thought, okay, year one was not even close, but maybe year two. Nope. Year three. Nope. Year four. Nope. But I kept doing hundreds of interviews and hundreds of my own pocket, you name it. And it took six years. After six years, we surpassed 1 million copies sold. And in the last two years, we were already at almost 800,000 more copies sold. And again, to me, 
I say copy, thank you. I say copies sold, but it's, of course, it's not about the copies sold. It's about the fact that there are over, a, from what we can guesstimate, it's now over 1 million people in over 70 countries, maybe over 100, but I try to be on the low end, of people that do the Miracle Morning every day, and it's changing marriages. It's allowing people to reach their goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so the Miracle Morning is your practice for daily personal development. The Miracle Equation is your process for goal achievement. And you need both because just developing yourself personally, it can be sometimes enough, but very often you can be the most personally developed person on the planet, but still stay in your safe haven of your comfort zone and not venture out of that cave of comfort into pursuing your biggest goals and dreams. And that's where the miracle equation gives you that mindset, that strategy, that tactical formula to take your personal development that you do in your safe you know, comfort zone, and then translate it, turn it into meaningful, measurable action and results. Yes. I'm so inspired right now. I feel really fired up. And I think <laughs> a lot of times some people, including myself, are missing one part of the equation. So you could have unwavering faith and you're sitting there trying to meditate and manifest all of your yep. desires, but you're not taking any action or you're an action taker, but you're, you're just going through the motions and seeing what happens and not having that unwavering faith. So putting those together, I think is the key. And I'm so, so happy for your book. I'm so excited to read it. Before we wrap up, can you you just take us through some of the holistic things that you did because here you yes. are, you're anti-chemo, but you're learning about, you already know nutrition is important, even, even though the doctors don't. You're learning about yep. coffee enemas and what other people have done. And I've interviewed so many people where coffee enema was a part of their practice of healing multiple diseases, including cancer. So what were you doing holistically to also help while you're doing chemo and while you're working on your mindset and having that unwavering faith? Yes, for me, I, you know, the unwavering faith was that miracle mantra, right? And I expanded on that into longer affirmations, you know, but, but essentially whenever I have that, that seed of fear of, oh, but what if I die? Cause I could die. I mean, that would literally enter my mind almost every day. The difference is most people go down the rabbit hole of that fear and they water that seed of self-doubt and that seed of fear and it, it consumes them. For me, that seed would just enter my consciousness and then I would go, thanks for coming. And then I would move it to the side and I would, instead of <laughs> dwelling on the fear and self-doubt, I would dwell on the faith. I would replace the fear with faith. And that was my reality was, nope, I'm going to live to be over a hundred, no matter what, there's no other option. And, you know, I've read a lot, I've read like you are the placebo and just reading the science behind epigenetics and the mind body connection, you realize that, oh, it's not just like, there's nothing woo woo about it. We actually, yeah. our mind affects ourselves in a measurable way. We literally affect ourselves and we can kill ourselves or heal ourselves, right? 100%. So the mindset was the, was the foundation. Beyond that, I took over 50 supplements that were all vetted out. You know, I checked out making sure there's no magnesium stearate and they're organic and they're food-based and plant-based and all of these things. So I took milk thistle. I took, again, I mean, you know, caprylic acid. I took so many different things, right? My diet was already killer, but I just, you know, I went from having a little bit of vegan ice cream <laughs> every night to <laughs> no vegan ice cream. You know, I went from, you know, to I wiped sugar out as much as possible. You know, I went from juicing a lot more greens every day, a lot less sugary, you know, a lot less fruits in my, in my juicing to more greens. My diet was already clean, so there wasn't a lot there. But I believe in throwing the kitchen sink at it, right? Because I'm like, look, I don't yeah. know what's going to work. So I'm just going to do, as long as there's no real negative consequences, I'm going to do it all. I did acupuncture. 
I did mm-hmm. ozone sauna, which was a really big part of the practice. I did that three days a week, and then I actually bought a unit for my house. To, I do it three days a week now forever. I um, just bought one. Oh, you did? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> the ozone sauna, you know what I'm talking about. So I did beamer mat. So I bought a beamer mat, which is a not a yep. cheap device. It's a $6,000 device that runs an electromagnetic current under your body. So I got a beamer mat. I did, I think, acupuncture I mentioned. In the Miracle Equation book, I joke, I go, look, there's no effort more extraordinary than sticking a tube up your butt and putting warm coffee in there and holding it up there for 12 minutes. Like that is the extraordinary <laughs> part of the extraordinary effort when you do it is it feeds your faith because you start to believe like I deserve the outcome that I'm committed to because I'm doing the things that make me deserving of that outcome. So yes. I call that the faith effort feedback loop. When you establish faith, you're driven to put forth the effort. When you put forth the effort, you fuel your faith. And then you put, you have more faith and it drives more effort, right? It's round and round you go and it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. I did lymphatic massage. I did every practice. And I did a lot of research. I read all these, I read like Bernie Siegel's book, Love, Medicine and Miracles. I read Suzanne Mm -hmm. Summers' book, Knockout, which was actually a great book. She holistically healed her cancer. It's on my bookshelf. Beautiful. There's a website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Dot yeah, yeah yep. I'm a huge fan, right? So, and those are great resources beyond what I'm saying to, you know, to really learn, you know, keep your, your the journey, the healing journey going. ChrisBeatCancer.com is probably one of the best hubs of like, that'll keep you busy for your entire journey if you're trying to battle cancer in terms of every natural resource that you could imagine. Yep. Chris is in our cancer series. So perfect. Beautiful. (laughs) And I would love to just have you shout out, let everyone know where they can follow you, find you online and get the brand new book. Yeah. Go to the miracleequation.com or miracleequation.com. I think go to the same place. If you want kind of like, that's kind of a rundown of what the book's about and stuff. If you want to just go straight to Amazon or you can go to your favorite retailer and get it. Amazon is the place where most people buy books. You can go to Amazon and get it on Audible, hardcover, paperback, Kindle, whatever your favorite platform is. There's a bunch of bonuses in the book. And oh, last but not least, I really, there's nowhere that uh, I would rather connect with you than the Miracle Morning Community. If you go to Facebook, type in the Miracle Morning Community, there's different communities for different countries and languages. But if you just type in the Miracle Morning Community, in fact, the way it shows up, because it's funny, when I first wrote The Miracle Morning, I trademarked it. So I was putting TM on everything. Like, somebody <laughs> might, you got to protect it. Now I'm yeah, like, whatever, I, I don't worry about it. So yeah. that's how you know it. It's The Miracle Morning TM community. That's the one on Facebook. That's the right one where you can join 200,000 people that are just supporting each other at a really amazing level. And I encourage you to go there. And that's where people are starting to post about The Miracle Equation. Because, of course, that's my community with 200,000 people. And you know, most of them are reading the miracle equation now and, you know, and, and integrating that into their life and complementing their miracle morning practice with the, the miracle equation. Amazing. Well, Food Heals Nation, let's help Hal get to a million copies sold this year. Go <laughs> oh, get the fuck. <laughs> yeah, of course. Join the community and Hal, I just can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much. It is an honor, Allie, and everyone that tuned in. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I do check in the miracle morning community. I check the Facebook group almost every single day. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll see you in there. Thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor. Yes. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. 